All right. So we're going to take a little bit of a different approach today and just have a quick conversation. We're going to start it off and this may or may not end up being relevant to bottle, but it'll still be fun to talk about. Will and I were having a conversation about cities and the narrative that cities, there's an anti-city pattern. And well, I don't know if you want to share, but we were talking about Chicago and what, what the headline is and then what the true narrative is and what we yeah. think people are looking for. Everyone who knows me is bored by this topic by now, I'm sure, because I think everybody's wrong. But the prevailing wisdom right now is that if you are, because of COVID and you get to work from home, that people don't want to pay the high price of a city and are leaving to go live lower cost of living areas, get more space, work from home, have a home office. And so that the predictions like big cities are dying as a result of that. There's a lot to unpack there, but I think the general premise is wrong. I just think it's wrong. First of all, cities are high cost of living because of the desire to live there. So it's a silly argument, even from the get-go of like cities are too expensive. So people are leaving like they're the price reveals demand to a certain extent. And so the price of a city reveals that there's high demand for the city, which is more true than ever. There was an article last week that New York rents are back to where back above where they were pre-pandemic. So if you just think about this from a demand perspective, the demand to live in New York is now higher than it was pre-pandemic again. Do you think um, in the New York scenario, I know you're going to keep going here, but on the New York scenario, is it fair to say that's an average, that there are certain parts of the city, like I bet Midtown's rents are below. I bet. Totally fair. So I think there's also, you're seeing, I think this will get into your next comment about Chicago. You're seeing pockets of places that have always been the most exciting to live, becoming even more exciting to live with tons of demand. And then you're seeing other pockets that literally the reason to live there was because it was walking distance to JP Morgan. JP Morgan's work from home right now, or apparently Goldman Sachs required all their employees to come in and only 50% showed up. Yeah. Like you can fire me. So I think there's traditionally like I've lived in on 33rd and 3rd, and it's not the best area, but I lived there because I could walk to work and it was free uh, or it was yeah. cheap and it was convenient. Yeah. Vig lived on 33rd and 3rd. It's a great area. Great. No, no offense, yeah. Vig. <laughs> great area. I remember it's like crashing on his couch. Absolutely fair what you just said. I think that's true. Brooklyn rents are surging. Ask someone in Brooklyn what's going on. Of course, because a lot of people left Manhattan to get a little more space in Brooklyn. Didn't want to leave New York. I can only speak my neighborhood. I live in the West Village. Rents are crazy, like way higher than they were pre-pandemic. Whereas I think the city average is just north of pre-pandemic. So like clearly that indicates with both Brooklyn and parts of Manhattan way above that there's areas of the city that are below pre-pandemic rent, which does to your point lead to the Chicago. So last week I saw a headline in Chicago that the loop and river north or near north as they call it is the fastest growing city in, in fastest growing neighborhoods in cities above something like 300,000 or 500,000 or something like that in the country. And I'm trying to remember the exact number, but something like the loop, the in, inner loop population, full-time residents has doubled in the last decade. And there aren't massive vacancies post-COVID either. This isn't just like a census 2020 thing. Population is still going up. You hear though, that people are leaving Chicago. Chicago is this high cost of living. Why would you live in the city? You're leaving. But if you look at the map, people are leaving the outer suburbs, especially Southwest, directly West of the city and going somewhere else. But the urban core is growing like crazy. 
And I think the reason for this, there are several, but I think the biggest is your lifestyle, if you live in the Western burbs of Chicago, is not very urban at all. It's very car-centric. You're not walking to a coffee shop on the corner of your block and you're sitting there. There's no office to commute into anymore. You're like, why am I living on the plains of Illinois? No offense, I love Chicago, live there uh, for a while. But like, why am I surviving this brutal cold to sit at home? Insane taxes paying insane taxes, why wouldn't I move to an Austin, to a Dallas? But what's interesting to me is the people who move to those cities, they're actually getting a more urban experience. And you can talk about you're doing in Atlanta as an example, but they're getting a more urban experience by moving to those places because now there's a coffee shop they walk to, the weather's nice, there's a brewery down the street. They're upgrading their lifestyle to look more walkable, more urban. This is very broad strokes, just anecdotes of people I know, having left the burbs. One tangent, this is also like retiree. This isn't just me living in a millennial bubble. Elizabeth's parents have friends who sold their North Shore Chicago house and moved to an apartment in Charlotte. So you think they're leaving Chicago to go to a smaller city. It's, yeah, but their city lifestyle is actually higher in Charlotte and this like inner city condo than it was in the burbs of of chicago yeah they're doing something in atlanta that's interesting it's similar it, it, to this. yeah it's fascinating i think so two two thoughts and maybe we try and somehow tie this back to bottle but we don't have to <laughs> two thoughts that are interesting to me is i think every conversation i'm having with people my age with young kids right now is like for the most part, it seems to be where the fuck am I going to live? I'm hearing like, maybe it's because I lead with that and yeah, there's some uncertainty on my end, but it feels like what the pandemic has created is a shifting under our feet of like, because I don't have to be anywhere, where should I be and what should that look like? And then you throw kids into the dynamic and it just gets incredibly more complex. I think that's why it's interesting for, I think you're seeing a lot of retirees. If I was a retiree, I'd probably be thinking like, I should move back to New York. Like, why not? Now's the time. And so I think that's just interesting that this feels like a cultural conversation. The fact that there's narratives about people moving, like in a way that we've never really seen before. I think that's interesting. I think the second point, it's personal, but it's also, I think being seen on a larger scale is twofold. One, I saw this company cul-de-sac. Have you seen those guys? I sent you their stuff earlier. Yeah. Yeah. This is a company that's like building a city out of nothing in Tempe like in, in the middle of Arizona, they're like building a walkable community. And I think that's happening more and more where you can build like a mini city. And so for me and Meredith, what that means is we're actually looking to move to a place 30 minutes south of Atlanta that technically is in the middle of the country. We would technically be leaving the city of Atlanta to go to a rural community. And, but we're going to get at a micro level, a lot of the things that we actually don't get in Atlanta. You know, if I rent an office in this community, I can walk there. If I want to go for a swim, I can walk to a swimming pool. If I want to go to the coffee shop, it's a three minute walk from the house we might rent. Everything you never, we spent a month down there. I don't go in the car when I'm there. The form of public transportation is totally green. It's a golf cart and that's how people get around. And I think the next, the, apparently the last community they're going to build is going to be completely walking, no electric vehicles, nothing. All walking. I think they'll allow golf carts, maybe definitely no combustion vehicles. And it's going to be across the highway, like across the street from the current main community. And I just think you're seeing, like, I had this phrase, I was walking with someone in Atlanta. I said, density out of nothing, right? I think there's a huge, personally, I think 
over the next 50 years, we're going to see new cities built everywhere, specifically in the United States in places that you can, there's so much open land. We have so much open land. It's wild. And I think the idea of a suburb is pretty, I think we're going to have to rethink. And we talked about this in Denver last week. It's like, how do you rethink all this existing infrastructure? Is Gen Z going to want strip malls and like to drive to like, they don't, they're not going to have to drive to work at some point. That's going to be a thing of the past. So what does your world look like if your life is completely flipped upside down? I think that's the most interesting piece of this narrative. And in my mind, that actually plays into like where bottle fits into the equations. If we're going to power a direct relationship between the producer and the consumer, it's much more powerful in a community that's connected, that looks more like a community a hundred years ago than a community when really the grocery and food supply chain was completely industrialized 40 years ago. And yeah. what's interesting about the place I'm moving to is it actually is like completely self-sufficient in a lot of ways. There's a 20 acre farm, there's a farmer's market, there's a CSA box. And then if you need anything, you order your Instacart. And it's just really a fascinating model. And I'm really interested to see what the next five to 10 years looks like as work re-evolves and re reframes itself like post COVID. Yeah. There's a lot in here that I, that we could have separate podcasts about. I agree with you on the bottle tie-in that on that point, grocery as distribution, the idea that there's a giant Kroger or Publix that you're going to drive to and load up on is clearly not the future. It'll be around for a long time, I'm sure. But that idea, especially as people live in these walkable areas, why would they want to get in their car? Um, and go to this giant grocery store when things could be brought to them. So that's one cool, interesting trend. But the other thing I want, as we were talking, the other way I think about this is in the pro density argument. So I'm a buyer of density. I'm very bearish on the narrative that like cities are dying. I think history is a long story of as humans have achieved higher mobility, they've moved toward higher density areas and every technological breakthrough that you would think would lead to people moving farther out, save for a brief 30 years there with the cars, which I think is wrapped up in its own history, has led to people moving inward to cities, whether that was trains or planes or anything else. And so I think as people are released from their job, where you're no longer tied to a location because your office is there, that increases everyone's mobility. And these city centers are dense black holes that as there's more free electrons are going to suck in more people. And if you're not going to go into an office to be around people, um, you want to live close to people. You want to live somewhere where you can pop out and see friends and get a coffee with them because you're not getting that social interaction anymore by driving into an office and being at work. So yeah, I'm very bullish on, on all density. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting trend. Well, we're going to wrap it up there. That was something we were talking about earlier. We thought it'd be an interesting kind of sidebar in our little podcast series here. So yeah, that was good. Good deal.